Blog Talk Radio. Ignite your life with passion and purpose. Your health, your wealth, your happiness. Make it good. This is Modern Love with Dr. Brenda Wade. Welcome to Modern Love Radio. I'm your modern love doctor, Dr. Brenda Wade, and we are talking about a topic on this show that touches every single one of us. You, at some point in your life, have felt or will feel depressed. You or someone you love will suffer from what we call mental illness. And we have seen recently some very, very dramatic examples of the tragedy that untreated depression, untreated mental illness can cause for individuals, families, and for entire, God help us, plane loads of people. So we're going to talk about this, and no matter where you are on your life journey, I promise you, having spent the last 25 years of my career working with people Uh, with severe mental illness to mild depression. This is part of our human existence, and we need to understand it, know the difference between mild, moderate, severe, what the signs are, how to get help, how to intervene if a family member or friend can't help themselves, especially those very vulnerable young people in our lives who may be suffering from depression, but we don't know what to do or how to recognize it because it's different when you're a young person. So our guest tonight is going to talk about this very, very important epidemic, and it is an epidemic, around the world. Please welcome to the show Janine Francolini. Hello, Janine. How are you? Hi there. Thank you so much for having me tonight. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you here, and this is quite a topic. Most recently, of course, uh, in the news, we had a plane crash, and the pilot, you know, the, the killer pilot in the cockpit was someone with a long history of mental illness. How does something like that happen, Janine? Well, that's a big question. Yes, I know. I like to talk about this in a very preventative way because when we get to that point, we're talking about, you know, stage four and stage cancer. Mm -hmm. So I like to think about this in a proactive way and in a preventative way. So if we had a world where emotional intelligence and mental health education was part of the curriculum and children grew up being aware of their emotional reactions and signs of stress and brain health was taught the way we have driver's education and sex education, and we learn about drugs and alcohol. Now, what do then, you mean when you say brain health? That's that's a very different terminology than most people are used to hearing. What is brain health? 
And everybody, you might want to get out some kind of device to record this on or write some notes because brain health is something every one of us has to think about. And, you know, I chuckle because I get that reaction a lot from people uh, when we talk about brain health, and and it, it really shines light on the fact that we don't think about our brain health. It's not part of us. So we think about our heart health, we think about our blood sugar, we think about so many different our areas weight. of our Everybody thinks about right. their weight, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nutrition and, and, and health, but we don't, for some reason, we don't think of our brain as part of our body, as an organ. And how important is the brain? I mean, it's one of our most yeah, important... Yeah, the closest we seem to get is when people get concerned now about not going into dementia, so everybody's playing Sudoku mm-hmm. or doing crossword puzzles or something like that, but we don't think about it in terms of emotional and mental health and what the brain mm-hmm. has to do with that. That seems to be the mm-hmm. missing link. Right. Because what happens is, it starts very early on. We judge, we judge these things. There's so much, so much shame and so much secrecy. So it's not something we're open about, and that is part of the problem as well. So it's it's a complete disconnection from our brain, our emotions. We're just, you know, taught to be a good kid as you grow up and behave, and if you're having any struggles or challenges, you have to keep that secret and just now kind of you fuck know up. firsthand about keeping those struggles secret as a child. Mm-hmm. Would you talk a little bit about your own journey? You had an amazing post on Huffington Post that I read, and your own journey was absolutely from the inside out one that would prepare you to understand these issues. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for saying that about the post because. It was not easy to write. I've written about my mental health history from when I was younger many times before, but not that, not that intensely. And so thank you for that feedback because it was not an easy post to write. I can imagine it must have taken a lot of courage to put that out. Tell our listeners yeah. a little bit about it because you're certainly not alone. About the post? Tell yeah. them about the post. About your own journey. So I really had had a very biologically based I've, mental illness on both sides of my family, and my challenges started when I was very young. I was like seven years old, and I was crying all the time. And when I was about eleven, I had really intense anxiety attacks that resulted on in hives all over my body. And this was like the late 70s, so there was not much discussion about these things or treatment. And, and my mother was even a guidance counselor working in the school, which was just amazing that this went untreated for so long. And then it just escalated when I was a teenager. When I was about 16, it, it just took a real turn into anorexia and um, suicide. I was suicidal for years with a serious, serious suicide attempt when I was 17. And really intense uh, in and out of hospitals 
for a long time until I wasn't okay until I was in my 20s. Wow. Wow. And what was the actual diagnosis for you? It was everything. You know, I mean, it was, you know, I had, you know, anxiety disorder, mood disorder, anorexia, um, you know, basically those things. Medication didn't help me. Anxiety medication did, anti-anxiety medication, but nothing else worked. So it was really um, a lot of, for me, it was a lot of therapy. That was really helpful. Um, and I was in, you know, I was in actually analysis when I got older, um, into my early 30s, which was very helpful. Hmm. Now, what is it? This is important for everyone who's listening because we all have felt depressed or know somebody who's depressed or we know somebody who's depressed but we may not recognize that it's depression. What do you think triggered the depression for you? When you say you started crying when you were seven, have you been able to identify any causes of the depression? Because that's part of what mystifies people. Where does it come from? Well, as I said before, I am genetically loaded. So for me, I mean, it was a stressful time in my life. I, I, I remember that, that I had a really horrible, ever since second grade. <laughs> it's so funny to think back on this. It's second grade, and it could be so difficult. But I had a really, really bad teacher. And so it was triggered by that. But, you know, I really was just genetically loaded and given that stressor with no coping mechanisms at all and yeah, no and awareness, no treatment. This, if you don't mind, Janine, sure. I, want, I want our audience to understand just because you have a genetic predisposition for a condition doesn't mean you have to get it. The research shows over and over and over, and I'm a research junkie. Everyone who listens to our program knows this about me. I started out in hard science before I became a clinician. Just because the genes map a certain way without that stressor that triggers you, you you stand a very, very high likelihood of never experiencing. But most of us do have a stressor that comes along and once you identify the stressor, is that helpful, Janine? Have you been able to find your way through this by resolving and understanding what that little seven-year-old girl went through? Because a bad teacher can be hell on earth. Well, it's interesting that I ended up in—I ended up being a teacher. And the first part of my career was in education, working with young children. So I'm sure there was a connection there. Yeah, but. I think it's really important also, so I am such a miracle because given this history and given that you would think, you know, some people diagnose these things as being chronic, I, I do not, I have, I have not been depressed in decades. I mean, I, I really, really have recovered. So I, it's a miracle. So it's also important when people feel that there's a genetic, genetic predisposition to also know that you can absolutely, absolutely recover. And I live a life that's just filled with brain, brain health promotion. That's the way I live my life. So I am very aware of my mental health, my brain health all the time. So 
So what was the worst moment for you as you were struggling through anorexia, depression, being suicidal, and you said even having a very serious suicide attempt when you were 17, what was the worst moment? Wow, that's a big question. Um, What was the worst moment? Hmm. You know, I'd have to say there isn't one moment i think it, and it, it's connected to that blog i just wrote that was called you know, the sky was black it, it was the blackness all the time that was so hard mm. that i was very suicidal for a very long time and i just was thinking about dying all the time so that blackness i'd say was the most difficult piece of, of it all. So the feeling of being in that black hole, is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Having no hope. No hope. Okay. That's a pretty dark place to be, to feel no hope. And yet you found your way out. And that in and of itself is inspiring. And you said it's a miracle, but I'd like to say, honey, that's a miracle that you worked for. You were in therapy, you were in analysis, you did a lot of things to help yourself. And I'm underlining that, everybody, in bright red lipstick, because if you're feeling down, the most important thing you can do is get help. There is hope, and hope is spelled H-E-L-P. Yes, that's a key key part of it and it's interesting as you're talking I'm thinking about it It, for me it was very 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 aligned with the way a physical illness would be you know you're in the hospital it's so serious that there was there was no there was no choice so we, we can talk about this in stages so for me it was easy because I almost died I was so unhealthy and, and sick with anorexia, and it was just there was there was no discussion there. So there are levels of reaching out, and in the early stages when people are just experiencing a little bit of depression or a little bit of anxiety, that's where I think it's really dangerous because you're trying to buck up and you know try to you know, if I can just get through this without mm. reaching out. So that's where I think there's real dangers early on, and that's where you can prevent and you can intervene and you can really uh, nip something like that in the bud. But that's the hard part, Janine, because what you just said is people may know they feel down, and instead of saying, hey, you know what, I'm going to get help, most people say, I'll get through it, I'll just buck up, I'll just do what I have to do, and I'll keep pretending You know, I I have a thing I talk about in a lot of my classes and books called the looking good while feeling bad syndrome. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people have perfected that, looking good while feeling bad. If you feel bad, Mm -hmm. the best thing to do is say, I feel bad, and darn it, I'm going to get some H-E-L-P. Exactly. Now, talk, talk about the shame, because there's a lot of stigma, a lot of shame that we all have around brain unhealth, mental illness, all of those kinds of things. And then we're going to come back to this brain health because there are some facts people need to know about their brains and how you can help your brain be healthier, how you can prevent and heal 
mild, moderate, even serious depression. We've got to talk about the healing, but weigh in, would you, Janine, on this business of the stigma and the shame? Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny because I was earlier in the conversation, whenever I talk about how I'm genetically predisposed, I have this predisposition. I always, in my mind, I always want to clarify that I was adopted, and so it's my biological family that has mental illness on both sides. And I hold back from saying that because I'm trying to protect my adoptive parents and family by saying, oh, they're normal. And it's, it's a really funny thing how ingrained it is. That we're just, every time someone asks me this question, I always need to think about that and and think about protecting them against the stigma that I would ever say that my mother or father or brother or sister had some form of mental illness. So mm, it's just, it's, right. just like, it, it's so ingrained. It's yes, so deep. Yes, I need to protect people because it's bad. Now, this is just the same, you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, people felt the same way about the illness we call the big C or cancer. Mm -hmm. People wouldn't say the word. They kept it a secret. They were ashamed of it. There certainly wasn't any society, marathon, you know, walkathon, anything going on to help people suffering with that illness. It was a big, dark, dirty secret because people didn't understand what caused it. And maybe the light you can shine now is to talk about how we can prevent brain disorder, mental illness, how you take care of your brain. You said that you're on a total brain health program. This is where you take notes, everybody. Talk about that, Janine. My brain health program? (laughs) Yeah, because it's important. And, Mm -hmm. And when we say brain health, please, everyone, There's a word you all need to know. It's called neurotransmitters. We've all heard of them. We've all heard of these. Serotonin, dopamine. They're directly connected to things like your hormones, estrogen, testosterone, stress hormones like cortisol. All of these things impact your brain. In fact, I had a friend, I'll never forget, walking in her office, and she had a poster up that had a black cat with its fur sticking out and spikes all over its head, and it had a smoking gun in its hand, and its eyes were spinning and dripping blood, and it said, I'm out of estrogen. Any questions? And I said, "Um, is this a good time for me to talk to you? (laughs) It was frightening. Because, mm. But she was making the link with this funny poster mm-hmm. between estrogen levels dropping mm-hmm. and women becoming clinically depressed. It's called PMS or it's called menopause. Mm-hmm. And everyone knows those are times when the feeling state can be dramatically different. Yeah. For sure. And for me, I just have to throw this last little thing in. As the love doctor, if you're stressed out and you have high levels of cortisol, you have very little in the way of neurotransmitters. That makes you cranky, difficult, reactive, and hard to be in a relationship with. You're unfit for human company. 
so please <laughs> let's let's talk about this and where it comes from and what you can do about it. So, mm-hmm. what are the signs of mild depression in your view, Janine? In well, you know, I think it again it varies so much from person to person, and people's coping mechanisms are so different. So, someone might watch TV every day, 24 hours a day, and kind of veg out that way to a point of mind-numbing or video games or drinking or overeating. or uh, I think it varies a lot depending on the person. And the point of the whole brain health and brain promotion diet that I'm talking about is being aware of that in yourself and being aware of your behaviors and the things you're choosing to do and knowing the signs for yourself. So, oh, I'm watching TV for five days straight and haven't talked to anyone at all, and I'm isolating. Oh, Mm -hmm. I want to get ahead of that. Mm -hmm. So before something cycles and then you're in your house, you know, you you go to work and then all you're doing is watching TV and never seeing anyone. Yeah. Those are certainly signs, and I will add that there's a progression. And if you see yourself temporarily having a change in how you feel, what you're eating or not eating, some people when they're depressed eat more, some eat less. Mm -hmm. But if it's temporary, you're irritable, you lash out, you have trouble getting out of bed in the morning, you feel fatigued when your feet hit the floor, or you don't even want your feet to hit the floor, or you find that your normal levels of functioning, short-term memory, those things are impacted, all signs that brain health is not optimal. And if that increases, an increase in any of those things I just named, you've moved from mild or moderate into severe if you have sleep disturbance, waking up early in the morning, if you have an eating disturbance where you're either overeating and gaining a lot of weight, you stop eating and you lose a lot of weight, or you just start to shut down and you're vegging out day after day or drinking more, smoking more weed, mm-hmm. all of those things could be signs of depression. Certainly, depression has its evil twin, which is anxiety and stress. Mm-hmm. So just be aware and We will give you, I promise you, we will post these on our Facebook page and we'll tweet them out to you, places you can go and get more resources to take care of yourself. So when you say brain health, you mean keeping track of your feelings. Well, feelings and sensation in your body, so... I'm someone who doesn't eat when I'm stressed, so noticing that. So it's not so your emotions, but also physically how you're feeling. Do you, do you feel lethargic? Does your body feel heavy? Uh, that was a great, great symptom you mentioned about you know, getting out of bed in the morning if you can't get out of bed, and so it's it's emotions and sensation, physical sensations in your body as well. Now these things are going on. What do you recommend that people do? What's the first thing everyone should do 
If you notice you're having heaviness, you're having any of these mild to moderate symptoms, or if they start veering into severe on that continuum I just went through. So, okay, so the first thing is to know what your symptoms are and how these things manifest in yourself, to be aware of your emotions, of your emotional health, your mental health, your how these things impact in your body, and to be aware of the signs, because that's the first thing. We're so disconnected, we have no sense of these things. So if you're starting to feel things, that means it's, it's definitely something to notice. Right. So being aware is number one. Reaching out to, if it's, very, if it's in the minor realm, you know, reaching out to friends and family, make sure you're not isolated, staying connected to people, then getting, getting help, going to see a therapist, a doctor, getting, getting it assessed to see if you might need therapy or medication or what you might, and, you know, what, if you need professional help. And then always coming up with, like I said, a brain health diet for yourself. So I have things that I do that I, I stay really, really balanced with. What are some and, of those things that help people stay balanced? Well, for me, I um, I practice yoga a lot. Yoga and meditation is really helpful for me. Exercise. Yes, those are powerful because they reduce, mm-hmm. first and foremost, everyone, they reduce cortisol in your blood. Cortisol is the biggest enemy of brain health. I will tell you that. Every bit of research I've looked at says high levels of cortisol equals low levels of neurotransmitters. Mm-hmm. We want neurotransmitters. We don't want cortisol. So meditation and yoga, powerful ways to to really flush that cortisol out. Mm-hmm. Right. And exercise of any form really is great. So That's many right. people running is great and, and some exercise is terrific. Um, and then nutrition also, thinking about, I'm sure you have a lot to say about sugar and the effects of sugar on people's insulin spiking and the mood and it's just a tremendous, there's so much research about how sugar is affecting exactly. people as well with in terms of mood and sleep and caffeine and all those things. And nutrition yeah, is really less important. caffeine, more sleep, <laughs> less sugar, more drinking water, exercise, meditation, mm-hmm. yoga. That's mm-hmm. a nice prescription. What else would you add? Oh, and by the way, well, I don't want to lose this because you also said – Get a therapist. Now, the way that I mm-hmm. I work is I tell people don't go get a therapist when you're in trouble. You need a team. Life is a team sport. We all need a therapist in our back pocket, and we should be touching base with that person, even if you're not in regular ongoing treatment. But have that person there, and I am a big fan of quarterly mental health checkups, just like you go to your Mm -hmm. dentist and get your teeth cleaned and checked. Every six months, you should be seeing your therapist every three months. That's great. I love that, getting a mental health checkup. That's terrific. Absolutely. And that should, again, I keep going back to prevention, but that should be starting when when kids go to the doctor when they're little and they get their their checkups. Yeah, and some of this we have to lay at the feet of medical practitioners because most medical Mm -hmm. practitioners don't look at mental health. Very few practitioners are holistic and start with the most important question, which is what is going on in Mm -hmm. your life? 
what is going on in this child's life. A friend of mine, Dr. Nadine Burke, is a pediatrician who's found that children who have learning differences, who have ADD, who have asthma, who have psoriasis, or who have uh, any kind of condition at a young age, nine times out of ten, those children are going through what she calls adverse childhood experiences, ACEs. That Mm -hmm. is either there's marital discord or somebody's lost their job or there's money stress and we think children aren't impacted by those things yes they are and it usually manifests as illness in young children Mm -hmm. stress-related illness so i have to say that parents parents if you're going through something so are your children Mm-hmm. It's such an important one. It's funny you should bring that up because I was at an ACES conference this weekend <laughs> with some people from UCLA, and it's so important. We don't think about that and the impact on kids, and it's really, really important to be aware of. Again, another part of awareness and education and prevention. Yeah. Now, Jenny, we only have a few minutes left, maybe about three minutes would you weigh in from the standpoint, because we're all about love here and relationships, mm-hmm. what do you do if your partner, if someone you love is depressed? This is going to sound like my intuition to answer this question is get help for yourself. That's a big, that's a very, very, that's a big space to hold for someone. So take care of yourself first. You have the oxygen mask. Pull down the oxygen mask and use it first so you can be completely healthy and able to help and make sure that your partner gets help. Yes. I I can't say enough about how important that is. I just can't. I was, in Mm -hmm. fact, married to someone, rest his sweet soul, who was very depressed, and I was working like crazy to help Mm -hmm. him, make him feel better, take care of him, and take care of two children. And the next thing I knew, my my therapist was saying to me, boy, I can hardly talk about it, Brenda, do you recognize that you're depressed? And I stopped and went, oh, my God, I am. And I hadn't even noticed. So, Janine, that is golden advice. I wish someone had told me that back then before I had drained all of my resources, all of my energy, taking Mm -hmm. care of someone who was depressed when really I was the one that needed support coming right out of the gate. Exactly. Exactly. And you don't think that. You're like, oh, they're depressed, they need help. And, but you really have to start with yourself, especially if there are children involved and you have to kind of be the pillar of health for the entire family. Oh, my God. You're going to have to tell the story. Okay, so I'm remembering this horrible moment. My husband was depressed, and he had a torn Achilles tendon. He had his foot up in a cast. And I had a nine-month-old and a three-year-old, and he said to me, could you pass me a glass of water? And I lost it. Get your own freaking water! (laughs) And I thought, okay, somebody's in trouble here. Me. 
That well, was thank my you wake so much call. for yeah, and um, thank you for being so authentic because that's what this is about. Stories like that where we can, you know, share what's really going on, and and that's where it starts. It is where it starts, and I hope that all of our listeners are taking in, this is part of the human journey. Mental Mm -hmm. health, physical health are directly related, and if something's off for you, there's a reason. There's a reason. There's not something intrinsically flawed or wrong with you. And, Janine, with all the very dramatic symptoms you had, as a girl and as a very young woman, you've come through it and lived to tell and to inspire all of us. So everybody, take a note. Janine can come through it. I can come through it. You can come through it. And it's going to take a team. It's going to take, I love that prescription that you have with the diet, exercise, meditation, and above all, get support. It all ends and begins with support. Janine, last word. You get the last word. The last word. Well, at the Flawless Foundation, you know, our tagline is seeing the perfection in every person. So that's what I'd like to leave everyone with, is seeing the perfection, starting with yourself first, self-love, self-forgiveness, and then being able to look through that lens at everyone you interact with. Now, what's the name of your organization again for those who want to follow up and be in touch with you? Give that again and give the website, please. It's www.flawlessfoundation.org. Flawless Foundation, seeing the perfection in yourself and in everyone else. It doesn't get any better than that. And if you're feeling really rotten right now and going, what freaking flawless are we talking about? What perfection? Just write a list of things that you can see that are good in other people and just know that even though you can't see anything but darkness right now, they're in you too. All right, Janine... Thank you so very, very much. Everyone follow up. Check out Flawless Foundation. We're talking to Janine Francolini. I love that name, very Italiano. (laughs) And we're thrilled to have you, and thank you for being an advocate for brain health and mental health for all of us. And by the way, those who want to get a jump start on meditation, my favorite toy, favorite, favorite tool is the Master Key. Go to newreality.com and check it out because it's hard for modern people to learn to meditate. This tool will put your brain in a meditative state in six minutes flat, guaranteed. You get all the benefits of meditation. Newreality.com. I can't say enough about it. All right. Thank you, Janine. Thank you to our wonderful producer. Oh, my pleasure. Our wonderful producer, LeGron Green. Our associate producer, Cliff Dunning. And, you know, my goodness, we had a question, and I just noticed it really quickly. Can you take this question, Janine? Uh, this of is someone who says, I think my sister is severely depressed. In fact, I know she is, and we all pretend she's okay. What should I do? Be direct and talk to her directly and express your concern come with some resources to offer and 
love her. Show just as much support as you can and keep keep on top of it. Keep take this it sounds like it's a secret in the family and let's pull the curtain off and and bring it out into the open and let it breathe. Yeah. I think that's great advice. Talking about it, and one of the ways to talk about it, let me give you one tip, is give the person a marker. Two years ago, you were doing X, Y, Z. One year ago, you were doing X, Y, Z, and put specific measurable things there that she can see and relate to. Like, um, I noticed two years ago, you weighed 40 pounds less. Now you weigh 40 pounds more, or you were able to go to work. Now you can't. You were in relationships and dating. Now you're not. Uh, Give her a marker she can see, because often people are so lost in what's going on, they can't see what you can see. They can't see the changes. So point out those changes, but in a loving way. And having resources like, hey, here's the name of two therapists Go meet them and see which one you like. I'll drive you. I'll pay mm-hmm. for it. I'll sit in the waiting room mm-hmm. and wait for you because if she's very depressed, she might not be able to do that for herself. So right. that would be my addition to Janine's advice. Yeah. Thank right. you for the question. I appreciate that. Sorry that I didn't see it till just a minute ago. We got that via Facebook. All righty, everyone. Thank you and many blessings. We love all of you. Bye-bye. A big thank you to Rainbow Grocery, our favorite grocery store here in the San Francisco Bay Area, for being our sponsor, because a healthy body is a sexy body.